Welcome to Life Over Coffee. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you for joining me for this episode. This is episode 225. The title of the podcast is this episode, Why Some Certified Biblical Counselors Harm People. Here's my prop statement. I want you to listen carefully. This is a huge issue. It will be emotional for some certified biblical counselors, and maybe even more so for some folks who have been to counseling who have been harmed by so-called certified biblical counselors. Here's my, here's my prop statement. Becoming a certified biblical counselor merely means that an individual has gone through the training requirements of a biblical counseling organization that certifies. That's all it means. What it doesn't mean is that that person who has completed the training is qualified to counsel people, particularly those with complex and long-standing struggles. Now, it would be exceptional—that's my prop statement—but it would be exceptional for any certified biblical counselor to disagree with my prop statement, what I just said, and not to wear you out with redundancy— but I do want to say it again to make sure that you're clear. Biblical uh, or becoming a certified biblical counselor merely means that an individual has gone through the training requirements of a biblical counseling organization that certifies people. It does not mean that the person who completed the training is qualified to counsel people, particularly those with complex and long standing struggles. All certified biblical counselors should believe this, and I think most of them do. But many counselees do make the what I call the qualified assumption, meaning they believe because they have a, the, the person that they're going to has a certificate that says they are certified that they are qualified biblical counselors. And so many counselees make the qualified assumption and to their detriment. It's because of these unfortunate misunderstandings about receiving biblical counseling certification from an organization that I'm doing this episode. Now, I do want you to hear me clearly. In fact, if you want to read everything that I'm sharing with you, I've written it out word for word. And so you can read all of this. And I have probably two dozen embedded links in these show notes, and you can read for a very long time just to make sure that, that you're clear. Uh, but I want to be clear, and so I've given you a ton of information here. And I want you to know at no point in this podcast will I say it's wrong to go through a biblical counseling certifying organization. It's not necessarily wrong. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. Assuming that, of course, we're assuming that the training organization is excellent in providing training. I am, what I'm doing here is I'm addressing an entirely other issue. The most significant problem around this subject that I'm addressing, addressing is the false formula that says, here it is, three words, certification equals competence. That is the most significant problem, and that is what I'm addressing in this podcast, and that is my only point. Certification does not equal capability necessarily. It's not possible. 
And it's not our job. I am a trainer. I, I run a, a biblical counseling organization, and it is not possible for me to make a person competent. Our supervisors in our program can't make a Christian competent in counseling. And we Christians, we have to be clear about this potential misunderstanding with folks who come to us to receive counseling. Though every Christian is a counselor, we have said that thousands upon thousands of times. It is Romans 15, 14, where Paul said that we are able to instruct one another. And that is true in the loosest sense of that word, counselor. But all Christians do not have the necessary gifting to counsel well. And if you're banking on your counselor's certification as the litmus test for finding competent help, you may be making a grave mistake. Here are just a few of the most common complaints that I have heard from those who have been hurt by certified biblical counselors. The first one is harsh. In our part of the country, the, the old name for ACBC, and I, I'm thankful that they have rebranded themselves, but the old name was N-A-N-C, NANC. And in our part of the country, the word NANC was a verb, meaning you nank somebody. I'll never, I'll never forget 20-something years ago where a, a lady who has been doing counseling at that time for 20 years, I think, and now has been doing it virtually all of her adult life, she said, I would not go across the street to meet with a nank counselor. And that's why I was thankful several years ago that ACBC has rebranded themselves. In fact, on my bio at the bottom of all the articles that I write on my website and my bio wherever you may find it, I never, ever said that I was a fellow with NANC. I always said that I was a fellow with a nationally recognized counseling organization. When I changed that, I changed it to ACBC when they changed their name or their acronym from NANC to ACBC. And then what you will find at the bottom of my bio or in my bio is that I'm a fellow with ACBC. But I would never say that I was a fellow with NANC because of this problem here. It is that big, at least in our area in the southern part of the United States. I live in Greenville, uh, Greenville South Carolina. And so here's a list, and the first one on the list that I put is harsh because I've heard it so many times. Unkind, impatient, doesn't listen well, demanding, no compassion, simplistic advice, and their lives and marriages do not model an example that you would want to follow. A lady just told me two months ago that she went to a counseling session with a couple, and they got into an argument which is characteristic of their marriage. They got into an argument in the counseling session, and that wasn't a one-off. It wasn't an anomaly. This is who they are, and she was dumbfounded at, at why these folks are called certified biblical counselors, and they are providing counseling. I am not making this up. And for the record, I do want to be clear here. I have no ax to grind. I'm not angry, nor do I have an ill-intended agenda here. 
I have I have heard two many, I've been doing this for a very long time. As I've said in several of my other podcasts, I'm officially old. I have a pill box now. I'm an old man. I take pills every day. I've heard too many sad stories not to address this problem. I hope that all of us will do better when it comes to communicating what it means to be qualified to do soul care. Some biblical counselors do this well. They do. Please hear that. Some biblical counselors are fantastic at offering biblical counseling, but many do not, and this must change. And so if you want to read what I'm saying here, again, go to episode 225. It's titled, Some Certified Biblical Counselors Harm People. In our training, we clearly communicate that completing our program does not make you a competent biblical counselor. It would be like saying if you had play, if you can play little league baseball, I'm talking about, you know, where the eight, nine, ten year olds play, you'll make it to the major leagues. Well, that's really unkind to make that uh, false continuum as though it's absolute. How disappointing would it be to believe such a false continuum? What happens in our program, our mastermind program, our trainers, including me, will cooperate with the Lord the best that we know how, to serve you the best that we know how, to help you to fill up your competencies, whatever they may be. We don't hint, we don't say outright that if you finish our training, you will be able to counsel competently. In fact, the overwhelming majority of folks who go through our training make excellent friends and solid disciple makers in the context of their families and local churches. It would be exceptionally rare for someone to finish our training and can do high-end formalized counseling in a professional-type setting. Nobody can create competence. At best, all schools and all training organizations can only amplify and enhance pre-existing qualities that the person has received already before the foundations of the earth from God. Every individual in the body of Christ must know this undeniable truth and don't fall for the false formula. Here it is again. Certification equals competency. That is a false formula, and it's not true in every case. Part of being a qualified, certified biblical counselor is emulating the counsel that you're providing. He's modeling what he is providing is what I'm saying. It's like the couple that the lady told me about. She went to the counseling, and they got in an argument, and it wasn't a one-off. This is who they are, not just in a counseling session, but regularly, day in and day out. The type of counseling that's needed to, to care for someone is delicate care. It's the most delicate care that a person will ever provide and a soul will receive. Some situations like sexual and physical abuse, they require a person who knows how to care for these souls. And part of his or her practice is applying what they know to themselves, modeling what they are sharing. If the person who is doing biblical counseling at this level is not living it out practically, there are integrity issues which always point to more profound problems of the heart. How would the doctor perform surgery on himself? 
Can he do it to himself? Is he competent? Is he doing it to himself? How does the biblical counselor care for his soul? Complex counseling demands that the counselor is practicing, as we say, what he's preaching. Now, some Christians believe they can counsel once they get their certification. They probably can, as I said before, on a very basic level. They can be outstanding friends and wonderful disciple makers. But sometimes you will hear them say something like, Oh, I'm not certified yet. And you can hear that false formula in that statement. Or they may say, Once I'm certified, I'm going to start my practice as though certification is going to make them good at at what they hope to do. I hope that there is more evidence of qualification than finishing their training. Training is a seasonal thing. It is a short period of time. In fact, I would appeal to you to read Malcolm Gladwell's book called Outliers. I just finished it, and it was fabulous in so many ways. But this is the book where he makes the case for 10,000 hours. You probably have heard that before, that it takes 10,000 hours to become excellent at whatever it is that you're doing. He uses several illustrations, becoming a lawyer, becoming a hockey player, and a few other illustrations to make his point. And it is compelling. And by the way, I, I do believe that. The way that I say it and the way that we say it inside our organization, specifically within our mastermind program, to get your 10,000 hours, you have to get your reps in. As I told a student uh, just a couple of weeks ago, it took me about 10 years, 10 years counseling virtually every day before I became comfortable with this idea of providing counseling, 10,000 hours. By the way, Gladwell says it takes about 10 years to get 10,000 hours in. Some pastors will only send their church folk through certification so he can have certified biblical counselors in the local church. Now, while competent training is vital, I'm not saying that these organizations don't do competent training. They could very well be doing that, but the unintended consequence of not communicating well a pastor within his local church, that certification does not equal competence, it could be tragic. And thus, all that you have are are people that have, we have certified, we have 10 certified biblical counselors in our local church. That's not the question that we should be asking. The question is, can they counsel well? Is it objective and is it measurable? The most significant question is not whether they are certified biblical counselors, but did they receive superior training that maximizes whatever gifting that was given to them by God? Where their certificate came from, honestly, it hardly matters. It matters, but hardly matters, as long as it's outstanding training and they are competent at administering counsel. And then some will argue by having believers go through certification, there will be less likelihood of legal ramifications if there were litigation. This argument is losing force by the day. It's all, it will be to the point to where it's a straw man. It's almost there now. The growing hostility in our country toward Christians will soon be at the point where if you've gone through any biblical training, it won't amount to a hill of beans if it ever came to the point of litigation. Did you know that there are some places in Europe that make it illegal 
to say you're a biblical counselor? It doesn't matter what's hanging on your wall. And that worldview over there will be on our doorstep soon. And so rather than making combating the courts a significant plank in your argument for certification, honestly, it would be better to focus on the best training that you can provide your people so they can busy themselves with the work of making disciples. Some people will only meet with a certified biblical counselor, wrongly wrongly assuming that certification, again, equals qualification. These individuals do not know how to vet a person, to discern if that individual possesses the skill, to do intense and intricate soul care. I'm not talking about being a friend. I'm I'm not talking about basic discipleship practices. I'm talking about intense and intricate soul care which so many people who need that kind of soul care, they will be susceptible to the false continuum that certification equals qualification. And I understand their dilemma. And the onus is not on them to know better, at least not initially. The responsibility is on us to make sure that we're clear about what the inquirer needs for their struggles. If you don't know what to look for, you will look for the certificate, and I, I totally understand that. You can learn more about what to look for by going through these show notes here and reading some of the embedded articles. In fact, at this point, this is under the heading of Wrong Assumptions. If you're looking at our show notes, again, it's episode 225. The title of it is Some Certified Biblical Counselors harm people. And under this heading of of wrong assumptions, I have a link here. And, And it will give you an entire article or podcast if you want to listen to it. But you can read this article, and it talks about some of the things to look for when you are vetting a person to see the best that you can understand if they are qualified to provide soul care to you or someone that you love. For the Certified Biblical Counselor, We need enough self-awareness and a lack of selfish ambition so that we can be more objective about our abilities. Because being certified is not that hard to attain for many people. It really isn't. If you don't procrastinate, you've got a little bit of self-discipline, you can go through a certifying process with a legitimate organization and you can receive biblical certification. You can receive the certificate. But we can succumb to the temptation of getting something that can be more about our identity than our capabilities. And I don't want, I I appeal to you not to dismiss this idea. Selfish ambition is not just a a thing for the professional, it's not just something that the, the pastor struggles with, the people that are in the lead and on the stage in a local church or in any other vocation where they are out front in front of people. Selfish ambition is not just their temptation. It is everybody's temptation. And sometimes some people, if they will be honest, they will have to say at least there is a, a smidgen of identity in being a certified biblical counselor to be part of the group. And we have to have enough objectivity about ourselves to not just say that this is possible. That's obvious. 
but to say maybe I have been susceptible to this temptation and it's more about getting the certificate than it is about being qualified to administer soul care. Some certifying organizations use recurring memberships as part of their revenue stream to keep the organization alive. I was talking to a leader of a counseling, nationally recognized counseling organization, and he told me that, told me personally that that one of the reasons that they have recurring memberships, if you want to keep your certification, you have to pay your dues. And I don't necessarily have a problem with this. I understand what they're doing. They're trying to stay afloat. Some ministries that provide biblical counseling training use the certification option as a hook. Now, I'm using the word hook in, a, in the good sense of that word. I'm not attributing ill motive to these organizations, but there is a fact there, and we've got to be able to state the fact, as this leader was humble enough to state to me, yes, we use certification, and he didn't use the word hook, but it's the hook. Uh, to get folks to take their training, and then for them to keep their certification, they have to pay us so many dollars every year. I do not fault an organization, necessarily, for creating an endless financial loop that makes sure the organization survives. I mean, if you want to maintain your certification, you have to pay annual dues. That's the loop. And again, That's what keeps them in existence, financially speaking. What they have to do, however, is to elevate the value of their certification to motivate a person to keep it. And, of course, part of elevating the value is that we can be unclear about what it actually means. And this is the issue, again, that I'm addressing in this podcast. I don't care if you create this endless financial loop. I'll give you your, you can keep your certification as long as you pay me money. I don't care. But the certificate holder can think they are something that in actuality they are not. And and for disclosure purposes, our ministry does a similar thing conceptually. We have recurring memberships monthly and annually. Now, the difference is we don't create something that people have to pay to maintain. Our people come and they go, they support for a season, they stop supporting. There's, there's in one sense, there's nothing that they are losing if they stop supporting our ministry. And so we use this idea of recurring memberships, hopefully as an endless financial loop. We ask the Lord to convince folks that our ministry is valuable to the body of Christ. Our supporters reward it's not a certificate, and maybe we should do that. We'll, you support us, and we'll send you a certificate that says you support our organization. But the real reward is the satisfaction that they are helping people change. They are partnering with us in this gospel mission of reaching as many people as possible with the practical message of, of Jesus Christ. And, of course, there is reward in heaven. And so we do fundraising, and we have voluntary uh, memberships where folks can support us. And so I understand the reason and the need for finances. Still, when you tie it directly to certification, 
there can be a temptation to provide certification for anyone for finishing without carefully qualifying or clarifying that person's practical competence. And if you don't believe that, episode 202 is titled, The Reason I'm No Longer Part of IBC. And I gave several reasons in that episode. You can listen to the podcast and you can read the show notes. But one of those was when I became a member of IABC uh, three or four years ago and became a training organization, it was on a handshake. Nobody vetted me. Nobody vetted our organization. Nobody ever looked at our training. I became a member of IABC. I'm paying dues. And well, actually, I don't think I ever paid dues because that's part of being a training center. But they invited me in with no vetting whatsoever. That's stacking numbers. That's just stacking numbers. Now, what I'm saying here is sensitive to some people, especially if they run a fledgling organization, as IABC was, and they have tried to redefine themselves, and they're going through that process. And I hope that they do as they kick the old board out and they're redefining themselves. But a fledgling organization will be tempted to to stack up the numbers because they have connected their financial viability to to stay in a certifying organization. Therefore, they need people. And again, I don't necessarily struggle with some of their methods for staying afloat. Many of us, but many of us have not done a great job in explaining these potential problems. And that's why I'm doing this podcast The point here is that this does not have to be an issue if the training ministry or certifying organization is doing doing vital self-examination to guard against pragmatism, meaning gaining more individuals for the survival of the organization. To dismiss this potential temptation would be ignorance minimally, if not damaging to many lives. Sadly, the primary criterion that some potential counselees look for is, has the person received certification? And while excellent training is proper, there must be more due diligence. The more astute biblicists will not just look for certification, but they will take it one step further, and they want to know if the person is or is not an integrationist. And, and while being well-trained and being bibliocentric are vital If those are the only two things that matter, then anyone who believes the Bible and opposes secular psychology may be on your list. My appeal to you is that it would be best if you did more examination when it came to entrusting your soul to someone. And if you're looking for training, biblical training, that you do more examination before entrusting your soul to to an organization. As far as counseling is concerned, a a few thoughtful questions I want to share with you just to get the ball rolling. For example, who trained this person that you are meeting with? Where did they receive their training? Is the training organization credible? And then how do you know what credible is? It would be wise, I think, to bar brains in many instances about some of the questions that, that I've just asked you. Perhaps your pastor would be a useful resource. And if you don't have anyone else to ask, please come to us and ask these questions on our free forums. We provide forums to help people with their questions. Like a resume, you want to vet the person with whom you're going to bear your soul or whom you're going to send somebody somebody with uh, to, to meet. What do other people whom you trust say about this person? 
What is their reputation as a counselor? You can think of your data gathering like you would if you were considering seeing a doctor. You want to know more than where he went to school. Does the person actually, objectively, measurably report it on? Does this person have the skills to help you with your questions or your issues? It's the youth pastor dilemma. A young man with no wife or children has a hard time walking a couple through how to deal with their teen who just announced that he is gay. God did not create all youth pastors equally. And no matter what is hanging on their walls, and neither are biblical counselors equal, no matter what is hanging on their walls. Now, if you want more thoughts on on vetting your biblical counselor, I have some articles here. Again, I have probably more than two dozen articles in this pot in these show notes, episode two hundred and twenty five. And you're welcome to read those. If you're interested in our biblical counseling training, you're welcome to read our introductory material. There's a link here for that. If you have more questions about episode 225, you're welcome to come to our free forums. As I mentioned, I have no axe to grind. I'm not angry. But I have grave concerns about this wrong-headed false formula that certification equals qualification. Don't believe it before you verify it. And if you train people in biblical counseling, make sure that you are clear in communicating what you're actually doing. If you want to talk about this, let me know. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.